1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's Craig Collins Show. It is Friday. Uh, it's a day where I want to have a lot of fun and not talk um, too much about news any more than I really have to. Uh, and yet there is a new story out there that's amazing. Before I even get into it, amazing because of how ridiculous it is and how people are uh, retreating to their corners as quickly as we, I guess, always do. Uh, but here's, here's the thing I want to say. If you're um, left-leaning, if you're uh, liberal, if you're hardcore uh, left, uh, not even just left-leaning, then when your friends, whoever they are, uh, bring up something about the Hunter Biden laptop or anything, I think even just speaking the name Hunter Biden makes someone on the left tune out. They're like, ah, this, this again, this craziness. It's akin to, I think, the way the conservatives reacted during Russia, 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 or literally any of the many investigations into uh, former President Trump before knowing fully uh, and maybe sometimes actually knowing fully that a lot of those things were crap. And Russia, 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 of course, has been turned uh, has been demonstrated to be crap via the uh, Durham report. Anyway, the things going on in the world of Hunter Biden right now are there. I, I don't know how they're not the biggest story all the time. And I'm, I'm so I'm genuinely confused by it. So let me say it this way, because if you've stayed and you're on the left, uh, past the words Hunter Biden, thank you, uh, because I promise I will do my best uh, not to sound like someone that you would call all the way over to the right, uh, who is um, at least willing to tell you that this is tremendously important uh, and you should be paying attention to. Uh, so Hunter Biden went to a, a state dinner last night. He's hanging out with dad, uh, hanging out with um, prime ministers, hanging out with uh, A.G. Merrick Garland, which is an odd look, to say the very least, to have Hunter there uh, enjoying himself after pleading guilty to unique charges. And then you have the latest release in the things that whistleblowers, IRS whistleblowers, have given to, yes, a Republican-built uh, committee to show just how deep of a problem Hunter Biden is for the Biden administration and potentially proof of a lot of other things. And this is um, the, the, I guess, meat and potatoes, the biggest part of it. I'm just going to let the reporter ask the entire question to the White House, or excuse me, to a White House spokesperson, John Kirby. So you hear everything because they set it up brilliant. And then the answer is nothing. Uh, the answer to this question is no, uh, basically, uh, which you'll hear. But it's like a minute long question. And it's not they're not even my words. I just want you to hear what the accusation is now. What is is being contested is not whether or not this message, this WhatsApp message exists. And then at the end of even the question, before we play the non-answer, I would just ask anyone listening to the show if the roles were reversed, if this wasn't, say, a, a politician on a certain side of the aisle, would you be capable of ignoring it? If you're on the left and you heard this about a, a Republican, uh, you would be obsessed with this story, just like I think a lot of people accuse conservatives of being. But here we go. Here is the question and the non-answer. The House Ways and Means Committee yesterday released documents, their authenticity nowhere challenged. Uh, that included a July 2017 WhatsApp message sent by Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, a Chinese Communist Party official, which stated in its entirety, and I quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret 
not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father, unquote. So just a couple of... Okay. Okay. I don't know if you followed all that, but that is a uncontested part of this, that a whistleblower from the IRS stepped forward, uh, said that there was proof of, or at least in the opinion of the IRS, uh, significant um, um, you know, information provided and WhatsApp messages that demonstrate that um, Hunter Biden was leveraging a relationship with his father to get sweet, sweet business deals uh, from other countries, from um, people in China or people in Ukraine or wherever it might be. That part is not even contested, which is nuts. Here we go. Questions about this. First, does this not undermine uh, the president's claim during the 2020 campaign and the reaffirmations of that claim by his two press secretaries since then, that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with him? No, and I'm not going to comment further on this. James, James, let me just, let me save you some, let me save, let me save, let me save you some breath. If you're going to ask about this, I am not addressing, I don't, I know you do more. Here's the thing I would say about that moment right there, where he's like, James, 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 if you're going to keep asking questions, just uh, fill in the blank for me and let's skip it. Well, no, uh, sometimes in the world of being a good member of um, the world of journalism, which we have so few of uh, today uh, in this world, is to go ahead and ask each question and to hear the I'm not going to talk about that answer every single time, as opposed to just skipping over it. Because uh, if the politician or the spokesperson in this case desires for you to skip over a topic, uh, there's a reason why they do that. And the easiest thing for the, you to do that benefits them is just go ahead and not even ask the questions. But you should ask all the questions. You should hear all the I can't comment on that any further and then move on. But it's, it's glaring. It is this Hunter Biden story that continues to develop and continues to have only so much exposure, if any exposure at all, in certain places in media is is the newest Hunter Biden black eye. And I don't know why we can't fix these things. I'm being genuine about this. Uh, and I know that a lot of people listening would be like, of course, Craig, the media is corrupt. The media is so far left leaning that they don't care about any of this. There are uh, certain friends of mine would say that they're a part of a uh, system uh, that's purposefully designed to not talk about these kind of things. But this should be a glaring black eye. Uh, these things cannot be ignored. It's like if your company is going out of business and they started selling all of the stuff that's in the in the office, like the desks, the computers, and they kept telling you you had a job. And you're sitting there, you're like, I don't even have a computer anymore. And they're like, yeah, but you got a job. Don't worry. We're definitely not going out of business. You can't keep lying at some point. You have to eventually accept some version of the truth, uh, which seems to be, at least the media does, politicians can lie forever. Um, and I don't know how we're not doing this. Here, I'll play a little bit more of this. More than I'd like you to have. I am not going to address this issue from this podium. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. I'm leaving. If we're going to keep talking about those questions, if I have seven more voices in the room that want to ask me Hunter Biden stuff, i got to bounce. i got to be out. And so I go back to one other thing I said earlier this week. I mean to soapbox the beginning of the show, but darn it, we're here. Um, when former President Trump sat down with Fox News, uh, while he is um, very much at risk of going to jail for uh, federal felony charges or federal, you know, um, um, classified document mishandling charges, he he sat down and did a two part interview. He went for he went for round two and he answered a whole bunch of questions that and I don't I'm not saying every single thing he said was was the truth. That part's sort of irrelevant to the point I'm trying to make. He answered every single one of those questions to the media. Put it out there, which if it is a lie, it'll be used against him in court. 
uh, which is the biggest reason you tell him not to do stuff. And he did it. He had what I think some would refer to as as brass you-know-whats. And then you have this version of things where John Kirby, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson, just avoid discussing what are now incredibly important and valuable questions when you have a a WhatsApp message that says, if you don't do what we tell you to do, my dad's coming and he's coming hard to wreck your life. Uh, and by the way, anyone that thinks that uh, Biden, or at least you don't remember that Biden denied, denied, denied ever even talking about this stuff with Hunter, uh, there is already a viral moment from, I think, 2020 when Peter Ducey, of course, is the guy who asks, but asked the, um, I think, then candidate to, uh, for president, um, uh, Joe Biden, now President Biden, of course, whether or not he ever talked to his son about this stuff. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business And so how do you know? Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. Uh, sir, this might come back to bite you. Um, I'm not saying that they have definitive proof still, which sounds ridiculous, but I, I think that's where you got to be from a legal standpoint. Um, but they might not have definitive proof that uh, the current president was much more involved in this just because they don't want it. Even CNN has a headline out there that said the IRS uh, pushed for more charges against Hunter Biden. And for some reason, that's not what's going to happen. Uh, even CNN's headline uh, indicates that there seems to be some sort of ridiculous corrupt sweetheart deal going on here for Hunter. And then you have more and more proof leaking out. However, it's leaking out. The laptop from hell might be a part of it, but not all of it, because now there's whistleblowers saying this is broken. This is bad. And yet still, it's not it's not the dominant conversation anywhere. And I think that that's that's probably you know who I blame, actually, us, everybody. I blame everybody. (laughs) I blame I, I blame the idea that you can be so far to a side of the aisle now that you put your fingers in your ears and ignore anything that you think is manufactured by the other side, no matter what it is. And that's just how we behave. That's how we we live. And because of that, it seems to be an available uh, thing for media to ignore this. The media ignores this. And there's a lot of people who aren't saying, hey, I'd love more information about that Hunter Biden story, because so many have already decided it's not true just because of how polarized we are as people. So essentially what I'm saying is the politicians have won. They got what they wanted. They want you to be so polarized to a side that when something comes up that makes their team look bad, potentially, you ignore it. You don't even make them explain it, uh, which is sort of, as I said, uh, the biggest shock to me that we're still I know I know I sound naive. I can't help it. Uh, This this seems to be so glaring. It seems to be the lighthouse staring you right in the face as you're headed toward the beach. And we still have people not discussing it. I have no idea. All right. I got to take a break. We'll do sillier stuff. It's a Friday, as I said, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, thrilled to get an update in the world of Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. The fight, the battle, um, the, whatever it is. Version. I don't know how they're going to do it. Are they just going to box? Are they going to do Muay Thai, which is what Zuckerberg's been uh, learning? Uh, UFC boss Dana White. Uh, said that both guys are dead serious about fighting each other and that the UFC would somehow facilitate the fight. But you can't use UFC rules, man. Um, Elon Musk is already at a disadvantage. I think you just got a straight box. I, I don't think there's a way you let it be anything other than that. And you just see who wins. Maybe Zuck would pull out then. I'm not sure. Who knows? Uh, the pay-per-view could cost $100. I'm not actually going to buy it. I, I said that yesterday that I would want to buy this. 
But there's no reason. It's not going to be a a good fight. It's going to be ugly. It's going to look bad. Uh, Elon Musk says that his um, fighting move is the walrus, which I talked about yesterday, which is just you lay on top of somebody. And, yes, I know Zuckerberg has been learning how to fight, uh, but even the viral uh, video of him uh, doing a couple different um, um, exhibition fights actually in the headline said Zuckerberg lost but showed a lot of heart. That's the way you talk about somebody who's not good at a sport but is still trying real hard to be good at a sport. Uh, that's the way you describe any player, uh, Rudy. It's, it's the Rudy move, and I love that movie. Uh, but he's, he's just showing a lot of heart out there is not um, indication that he's a great fighter. So anybody who pays the 100 bucks, it's not going to be worth it. It's going to be a tremendous letdown, uh, depending on who else they put into that fight. I don't know uh, where Zuckerberg and, and Elon would even fight on it. It would be wrong for professional fighters to fight before Elon and Zuck fight each other. Uh, but anyway, I'm obsessed with this. I'm thrilled about it, and I can't wait uh, to watch whatever version of it winds up on social media uh, long after it's been paid for. Or go to a bar, like a bar around town should do that fight, and then I don't want to pay a cover, but I'll figure it out. It's a thing that's out there. Um, I saw this. This is more serious in nature. Uh, I had intended to talk to um, Max Armstrong, who longtime broadcaster, uh, worked with me at that place up in Chicago for a while. I actually um, did a show that he was a part of. I, I produced a show that he was a part of, but he just he said he woke up today and had no voice. And if you know Max Armstrong, the broadcaster at all, his voice is, is very recognizable. Uh, so sadly, we won't be able to talk to him today, but hopefully uh, some, sometime next week about the craziness that is uh, the drought going on right now. Uh, but just as a, a replacement topic, uh, still, I guess, somewhat serious, and then I promise I'll get to lighter stuff, uh, the Kavanaugh um, – Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh's opinion that is put in a decision that has nothing to do with student loan debt is being shared all over the place because they think it might be relevant to the student loan forgiveness uh, case that the Supreme Court has still yet to rule on. Uh, in a different uh, case, uh, essentially what a Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh said was that the states did not have uh, the ability to sue in the first place. They didn't have standing. Uh, that was United States versus Texas. That's something you're probably hearing about today, about the Department of Homeland Security and the decisions they make and how the state of Texas said they're being, and I think Louisiana too, uniquely harmed uh, by the policies at the border. But in an eight-to-one decision, the Supreme Court justices decided that the states can't say that there's a problem going on, the federal government is a fault, and we're hurt by it. That's one of the two uh, lawsuits that was challenging the student loan debt forgiveness. A move. So who knows? Maybe it'll be one yes, one no. Uh, we'll see. But a lot of people are diving very deep into that and using it as an indicator of what is to come. And I do think that's interesting because even in the dissent or not the dissent, excuse me, the opinion, uh, Kavanaugh writes that states cannot sue the federal government in some ways. He says there's other ways where, of course, they can, uh, but not having a a valuable uh, harm or not having the standing to go after someone in court is not just a, a little you know, nuance of a hurdle. It's a tremendously important hurdle. I'm paraphrasing, but those are Kavanaugh's own words. Uh, other things out there that I thought were interesting, uh, this is, uh, to me, sillier. I'm sure to a lot of people it's not silly. 3,000 workers at 150 Starbucks stores are going to be um, you know, uh, walking off the job. They're going to be striking. They're going to be fighting for what they say is the company's, um, um, trans the company's um, changing its position on putting up Pride Month-style decorations. I guess some stores have banned uh, Pride Month decorations and said, let's just sell coffee and not do other things in the world. And so the employees are all very mad. But what I love about this, what's buried in this story, 
uh, with Reuters is that they are also uniquely trying to fight for improved pay, pay and benefits. Uh, the Starbucks Workers United Union added. So it's not just uh, fighting about whether or not they think that the company needs to have a political stance or a social, you know, societal stance on something and they're refusing it and they're mad about it. Uh, that's going to garner attention. Uh, that's going to garner headlines. And for uh, people on a certain side of the political aisle, it's going to be a, a big cause to say be standing with uh, the 3,000 unionized workers at over 150 different Starbucks stores. But the fact that they're also negotiating for more pay and benefits is essentially what I say all the time about politicians, is they use a topic, they talk about something that they believe has value to the base of their, their voters, and they do that only because they want your support. Uh, saying that these two issues are tied together uh, seems to be hilariously dishonest uh, if you're going to go ahead and negotiate the second one. If you care so much about the first one, just fight for that on its own. And if the stores in New York, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago reverse their decision on pride decorations, show back up and keep working and do the other thing later. I just, I'm so amused by it. I can't help it because it's right there in your face for anyone that wonders. And this, these are just, you know, 3,000 workers at stores that are represented by a union. So it's not as hilariously dishonest as politicians are, but it's still definitely there and designed to be much more about attention grabbing than actually caring about issues. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm in support or anything of any of those issues. I just find it so amusing uh, that they're tied together as closely as they are. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we will talk a little bit more about some politics out there, and I promise we will get lighter as well. Got a lot of silly stuff again on a Friday, uh, but first, Will's got the news. 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM, and all over the internet, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. Or just, hey, tell your smart speaker to play WMBD, WMBD, wow, WMBD Radio, and hear Will Stevenson. I turned into Porky Pig for a second there. Uh, talk about this. I thought you were going to call me self-serving there for a second. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I thought that I walked in and I understood what was going on. 1470. 100.3 WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, the Titan submersible, of course, still in the news. Uh, yesterday, the discussion was about whether or not it was going to be discovered and, and the people were going to be saved. And that turned into, uh, of course, uh, the discussion about how finding the debris meant that it probably imploded, uh, very, very likely imploded. And I think they're even more sure of that today, um, which means that the people on board, all five, uh, died. Uh, sadly, uh, they died instantly, which is, and I was talking about it yesterday, a silver lining version of a thing um, compared to the belief that they might have run out of oxygen. Uh, but here's what I, I, I wanted to say today about this story um, is I, I don't know why I'm trying to find the right way to say this because I'm, I'm, I'm worried about how this is going to come out. And I want to make sure you understand me correctly. It's, it's a sad story. It's a tragic story. Uh, it's a story where people have um, different sort of, I guess, um, secondary things they want to talk about. Uh, some want to talk about how uh, the people were all very wealthy and they were reckless with their money, and that's not really a valuable discussion because these people uh, lost their lives and their families lost loved ones, and uh, it doesn't feel like it matters anymore whether or not they should or shouldn't have taken that trip in the first place. It just feels like you want to talk about something else to begin with. I even saw News Nation did a story about how the, the one teenager – uh, who was 19 years old, who was on this um, this submersible uh, trip, um, is a person uh, um, that uh, didn't really want to go on the trip. Uh, someone that said that they were kind of really afraid of of the idea of the trip in the first place. So that's, that's awful and horrible. 
Uh, but, but I have to be honest, I don't know why the story is still in the news. Uh, that's the part that I, I'm trying to get to here because we don't need to overly discuss this. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing it here because I thought that it's, it's everywhere. I might as well talk about it. But I, I actually have no intention of bringing it up again today. It's a tragedy. It's over. We have the answer as to how the tragedy occurred, and we don't need to, in my opinion, uh, discuss whether or not the people should have been on the trip or even uh, make it as as dark and sort of, it seems almost, you know, ratings and fear-mongering in the world of news to talk about the teenager who might not have wanted to go on the trip. Uh, yeah, great, if there are court cases or whatnot, and the company, if they act reckless, if they acted recklessly, which a lot of people believe they did, winds up getting in trouble for it. Uh, but this feels like to me, and I know some people actually have conspiracy theories about it. I'm not going that far. Uh, but something that's also broken about our, our news system uh, is that we just continue to talk about these tragedies uh, that exist in the world, even when no new information is really being provided anymore. Um, it, it just seems as though it has to be the biggest story of the day, uh, even though as far as your life is concerned, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create no real difference uh, from this point forward to give you any more information about it. Um, and, and I don't know. I, that's, that's just my feeling on it. I'll move on to other things. I just don't get the obsession uh, with continuing to discuss it now that we know as many of the details as we know. And uh, calling it a tragedy is easy because it, it is one. All right. Other stuff out there that I thought was interesting today. Uh, it is very hard to get away from the Hunter Biden story, the latest Hunter Biden story. Whistleblowers, two of them from the IRS, uh, have come forward. They, we knew about them already and made certain um, accusations and even said certain things that are tremendously new, at least for you and I, over the last 24 hours about this WhatsApp message uh, that Hunter Biden sent to someone in China, uh, basically threatening that his father would do stuff if they don't uh, make good on whatever the deal is that they have. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked a lot of questions by several members of the press about this today. Uh, I didn't play this before, so here's what she sounded like when trying to rebuff these questions. I sent Hunter to the state dinner last night. Um, I'm wondering if you could take us into the thinking and decision-making of why uh, the president decided to I, I'm just not going to get into family discussion, personal family discussion. As you know, Hunter is his son. I'm just not going to get well, into let me it. Ask you this. If, if Hunter Biden wasn't the president's son, would he have invited someone who had just reached a plea agreement with federal prosecutors? Well, no. A couple of things. Again, that's his son. It's a, he's a family member. It is not uncommon for family members to attend uh, events at the White House. You could look at past presidents. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm done. I'm already done with that. But uh, in all honesty, the thing that was more egregious than all this to me as far as the propping up of Hunter Biden by the Biden family, by the current president, was when they were selling his art as he was already being accused of a whole bunch of uh, inappropriate business dealings that may or may not have leveraged the power of his family and his uh, then vice president presidential father. And then all of a sudden he's selling art, even though he's not really an artist and the people he's selling it to are going to be mis uh, a mystery. They're going to be anonymous. And then, well, now we're just going to tell Hunter who they are. Uh, all that happened. Uh, you remember early on in the presidency after Hunter, Hunter, Hunter was a topic of conversation and still uh, seems to be propped up all the time. Uh, all right. Other things out there that I think are interesting that sort of land in the same hemisphere, the same area as this is a question asked to uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, about the integrity of the Justice Department and questions being asked about the Justice Department in general uh, and the the easy one, two, three step that you go from Hunter Biden, uh, the sweet, sweet deal that he got, that is definitely a sweetheart deal, and then what's going on with the former president, whether you think he did something illegal or not, the the differences here are, are 
huge. And so it seems as though it's valuable to discuss. Here's how Merrick Garland shoots down even the idea that someone could say that, hey, uh, there's some things going on here that seem to also be broken. I certainly uh, understand that some have chosen to attack the integrity of the Justice Department as components and its employees by claiming that we do not treat like cases alike. Uh, This constitutes an attack on an institution that is essential to American democracy and essential to the safety of the American people. Nothing could be further from the truth. All right, here's the thing. Uh, What he just said right there is the scariest thing that I've I've heard in a while uh, from anybody. Uh, He just said that we're not allowed to question stuff. Uh, which is something that's been said before. Uh, when people question the integrity of our election, one of the Democratic positions was, how dare you, sir? How dare you question the integrity of an election? Uh, that is tantamount to just begging our country to implode and blow up. While questioning things is good, that's something that the American uh, system is designed around on purpose, uh, the freedom to think and say what you want, believe what you want, and even ask for more information when you want more information on stuff. Uh, That's all stuff we're allowed to do and our press is supposed to be doing on our behalf all the time. So when you say this is an attack on an important institution in our country, that in and of itself should be a defense of nothing ever uh, because it's just wrong. And it's the same thing that those other countries say that we don't want to be when we say stuff like, hey, uh, why did this happen? Why did the government do this? How dare you question the state, sir? Shut up, is what they say all the time. So that's terrifying uh, to me. But he went on to say, as, as you heard, nothing could be further from the truth. The Justice Department is fine. Uh, everything is great here. And so one of two things is occurring. I'll just throw it out this way, because I'm not getting tinfoil hatty on a Friday, uh, even if the tinfoil hat feels uh, you know, nicer and nicer on my head at times. Uh, one of two things is occurring. Uh, the Justice Department is so inept so uh, unaware of just how terrible the optics of certain things are that they're definitely giving a sweetheart deal to the current son of the current president and then definitely attacking Trump as hard as they can for their own reasons, because they hate Trump um, and what he said or did as far as the Justice Department or the intelligence community is concerned. And for some reason, they love Biden and they don't think that Hunter Biden's a guy they need to take down or That second thing, there is a a significant amount of corruption going on, and this is the worst attempt ever to hide it uh, because the attempts are not very good when you just say, yeah, everything's fine. You just leave us alone. Everything will be great. All right. Uh, One other thing, uh, because I should talk about other stuff. As I said, it's very hard uh, to get away from that. Uh, Pence calls for a 2024 uh, for his 2024 rivals to back a 15 week federal abortion ban. Uh, This happened uh, just last night. Uh, This is on the eve of the Dobbs anniversary is what people are are calling it. I did a, a very short deep dive uh, yesterday, and I, I used to I actually just started calling this Deep Dive Friday uh, about how many things did and how many things didn't change a year after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, one of the more significant things that did not happen that a lot of politicians on the left said would happen is not only that conservative states would change their laws, but they would go after anyone who crossed a a state line and try to do something that, say, would be legal in Illinois that wouldn't be legal in Indiana. Uh, That has been argued to be a ridiculous and extreme uh, version of thinking because no state has tried to go after anyone for anything like that, if it's even occurred. There's no real news stories about it in the first place. And so this, uh, this idea from Pence is calling for a more uniform decision in the world of, of abortion rights. And I will say this, and I know that it might be an unpopular opinion uh, for some that listen to this show or that know me uh, and my, my faith as a Catholic. 
if you overturn Roe versus Wade using Dobbs um, as as the you know case to do it, and you say what the the Supreme Court doesn't have is a right to make a decision in this world, and that states have the right to make the decision on their own. Uh, you are unlikely to succeed in a world where you try to create the exact opposite scenario. You go from a federal law that says abortion is completely allowed and states can't do anything about it to a federal law that says abortion is banned at a certain point and states can't do anything about it. I would think the end result of that would be the same and that anyone that actually truly talks about this would understand that if the Supreme Court changed its decision – in the, the other ruling to allow for a, a federal ban on abortion to occur, uh, then we're going to have a very messy conversation about what did and didn't happen in the world of the first case. And again, I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but that's my simplistic, uh, probably overly simplistic opinion uh, in reaction to that, because uh, one of the biggest things I thought was a, a far left democratically invented idea is that states that went another way on abortion rights would attack people. Uh, who tried to do something in a different state, anyone that remembers when, and I don't, but I've been told by enough people this, when, say, drinking ages were different from one state to another state, you could go to a different state and drink at a younger age. These things all occur, just one example. And so I do think it's an interesting stance by Pence, but it's a stance that would be unlikely to win in the world of our court system, and it would easily be challenged in any court system, I think, if it were something to pass. So whether it becomes an actual voting conversation uh, for the American people is yet to be seen. And I know that Trump, I think specifically, doesn't really want abortion to be a focal point, uh, even so much that DeSantis has pushed him to talk about it. Uh, but Trump would rather have that not be a focal point of his own campaign. A quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Friday, lots of stuff to talk about. Let's do some uh, sillier things. Uh, somebody put up as far as a, like, uh, remember when this was a thing, uh, post on social media. I guess there used to be an all-you-can-eat KFC buffet uh, in Washington uh, back in the early 2000s, and people are freaking out about it on social media, uh, saying they would love to have an all-you-can-eat KFC buffet uh, available now. Um, I don't think that's a thing that's likely to happen, uh, probably because of all the ridiculous costs of everything. Uh, but if you could, like all you can eat anywhere, uh, my simple question to you and send me a text, 309-340-4464, where would it be? What restaurant, fast food place or otherwise, would you like an all you can eat move? It probably has to be a price connected to the fanciness of the meal. I can't, you can't say that you want a, you know, all you can eat Alexander's Steakhouse and still pay the same price as all you can eat KFC. It's going to be different, uh, but I'd love to know. Uh, 309-340-4464, all you can eat, uh, what places make sense. Uh, one idea came to mind for me, one restaurant immediately, not KFC, um, and it's not a great one. People will tell me why it's a bad idea, and I get it. I know uh, bathroom breaks would be uh, the rest of my day, but I think Taco Bell. I think a great buffet would be a Taco Bell buffet where I just eat as many hard shell tacos as I possibly can. I pay a single flat rate. I hang out there for the entirety of a day, and then it's great. Uh, they had an all-you-can-eat buffet uh, for a KFC. I just got a text from a 309 in Bartonville. This is real. Uh, Barton Tucky had its own version of an all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, that's amazing, man. Um, I didn't know about that, um, but that was in the early 2000s as well. So other KFC all-you-can-eats existed. Uh, 309, we want that to come back. Or you want a different store to do it. Uh, Monocle's Pizza is what someone just said. They like an all-you-can-eat. Um, I remember the, the Pizza Hut move. 
where you actually sat down. They had the nice all-you-can-eat salad situation, and then you just had a couple – I don't know. Like pizza to me, you can you can already figure it out. You can get like two pizzas, three pizzas. You can be fine. You don't need more. The all-you-can-eat move I think is more valuable in the world of smaller food. That's my opinion. Not telling you you're wrong. Uh, Arby's, no doubt, is what someone else just texted in, text, texted in another 309. Uh, Arby's is a good move. Buffalo Wild Wings. All you can eat at BW3s. I like that move, too. Uh, that's good. But let me know. Where would you like to see an all-you-can-eat thing? And how crazy would you go in the world of how everything is so, so expensive today? I feel like people would start at the beginning of the day and just stay there for the, the whole day. And that would be a move you do every so often. Uh, other stuff out there, I thought this was interesting. Uh, according to social media, there is a new form of cheating that exists uh, in a relationship, whether it's just Avanti's, all you can eat. That's a great move from someone who just texted that one in. And I don't know if they have anything like that, but they should. That would be really good. Avanti's, please work on that. Please work on that soon. I know they have the all-you-can-eat pasta, though, so they have a version of it. Um, but all-you-can-eat anything on the menu would be even better. Uh, let's do this. Micro-cheating, according to some now on social media, 25 million views on some of these takes, involves any sort of interacting with an ex. On social media, uh, because you can now stay connected to anybody differently than in the past. If you like photos of an ex, if you confide anything in your ex, these are all problems. Uh, These are all defined now officially uh, by the young people as a form of cheating. I don't I don't stay friends with exes. Uh, I haven't really stayed friends. You know, it's funny, actually. Let let me throw this out there. However funny it is, you decide, I guess. Uh, When I first started dating my wife. I think I've told this story before. I was living with a buddy of mine, and then Betty moved in. So it was my buddy in one uh, room, and then my wife and I in another room. And to me, that was perfect. That was the most amazing version of of my 20-something relationship because the missus or the future missus was already there. Uh, the, the friend of mine was there, so I could go play video games in the living room at some point. Not the favorite for Betty, but definitely the favorite for me. And so eventually she pushed me to get our own place, which made sense. And the neighborhood we moved into, my ex lived in it. So when we moved, I think it was within like a week or two of just walking around. Uh, A thing Betty and I like to do is just kind of go on walks in whatever neighborhood we're in. And boom, there was an ex that I had dated uh, kind of recently before I started in a relationship with Betty, just kind of there. And I remember we quickly moved out of that neighborhood, too. Um, um, probably uh, more me being willing to do it than Betty pushing me to do it. But that was that was a funny uh, sort of win-loss situation uh, in the world. And she was friendly with us. She'd walk up and talk to us. She was a waitress at one of the restaurants that was really close to our house that we both really liked and had never seen her at before. It was it was a unique situation. Uh, definitely living with my roommate seemed to get way better, I imagine, for the wife uh, when we were now living very close to a an ex of mine. All right, one other thing that I thought was interesting, uh, just as a quick palate cleanser before we get back to the serious stuff uh, after the news. I saw this story about a guy named Max Armfield, uh, not Armstrong, not the guy that uh, can't do the interview today, but hopefully next week. He's 24. He said he can't afford rent in any sort of home. Uh, so he decided to move into an abandoned school and he's putting up photos and videos of himself just breaking into a school that he's not supposed to be living in and saying how it's his hack. He's got like computers and other things there. Um, this is not a move I would suggest since he can't really, like, lock and shut it down. Uh, but other people on social media, other young people, uh, said that it's genius. They, they, they are thrilled for him. It would be cool to have a giant facility like that as a place you live. It would be far, far less cool, in my opinion, as you're doing that, to be in a place that you couldn't secure and a place that you're not supposed to be. 
And so he essentially just um, put up on social media that he's he's breaking rules. Uh, that's probably not going to go well for him. But I what I thought was funniest about the viralness of this post is how many other people were like, man, I wish I could just move into school. I wish I could just live there. I blame that on the pandemic. Uh, my entire life, I never wanted to live at school because school was not the most fun place to be. Uh, maybe because people did so much school at home, the building itself is a place that a lot of um, 20-somethings or, or teenagers think, oh, yeah, that'd be a cool place to be my house. No, uh, very much no. Uh, as far I would, I would live many, many other places. I would live in a church easily, uh, like an abandoned church, long before I'd ever decide to live in a school. All right, on that note, 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, Brett Brooks is in studio from 25 News. We we're just talking off air about a bunch of stuff. I got to be honest with you about a take I just had on the air. And okay. you do television news. Uh, you might be able to help me refine my take. If my take is terrible, just tell me my take is terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm nervous. <laughs> so it's fine. So the the submersible, the the craft with five people on it, that tragically we now know they they died. Uh, and actually, the belief is that it, it imploded, which means they would have died instantly, as opposed to the thing we thought for a while, which is that they might have been, you know, um, running out of oxygen, uh, right, which is right. just it's scary and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but just a little bit ago on this very show, uh, I said that I don't know why this will remain a story in the news for a few more days. And the honest reason I'm saying that, and this is this truly like what I intend to say, is because it's a tragedy and I know all the information now. And sometimes I wonder if when we talk about these things, not you and I, but maybe like the, the news as a, as a big giant thing, um, it's because it feels like what people are probably still thinking about and talking about, not because it's bringing us any new information. But maybe you can help me reframe and understand how that. this would stay in the news. Yeah, go ahead. We kind of have closure over what happened. Yeah. I saw somebody on the Twitter streets, because that's where I get all my nice <laughs> incredible information from. Nice. Mine too, yeah. That it would have imploded so shrunken in on itself in one millisecond so wow. it would have been a quick yeah and quick, they probably a quick death they wouldn't mm -hmm. realize it and actually they wouldn't realize it news nation uh did a story last night they're sort of like an upstart trying to be down the middle it's wgn's uh, television platform that's now rebranded as news nation where they talked about the 19 year old who was on the did you see that story yeah i did and how he didn't want to go on the trip yeah and I heard he only went because it was Father's Day and his dad wanted him to go. And his dad pressured him. I, I saw that story, and the first thing I thought to myself is, like, I didn't need to know that. And I, I don't mean to be mean. I'm sure that somewhere <laughs> out there somebody's like, maybe people need to know this. But that just makes me feel even worse for the family and for the young man who lost his life. Right. I and, agree. And so it, it feels at times like those stories are, are there uh, more because a news person somewhere, some boss is like, well, people are still talking about this. We should have an update on it. Uh, yeah. But it's just a tragedy. But but again, tell me, help me out in the ways I don't understand it. <laughs> I think that it's just naturally intriguing for all of us because there's something new that's that's happening. You have a little bit of a Titanic history happening. Sure. You have a mystery of underwater mm -hmm. adventures happening. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I am. But yeah. the ocean mysteries is a really big TikTok trend. Sure. So I think this just kind of adds more to it. There's also some conspiracies floating around. There are. Because there's they were billionaires. And I think the 19-year-old is the most humanizing aspect to yeah, it. Yeah, the most devastating. And I think what's also hard to wrap my head around personally is the fact that there's also those refugees who got lost in Greek waters or, sure. and off the boat. And that isn't being talked about as much. But I think that people are just naturally drawn to a story that has a lot of uh, holes in it. Mm -hmm. But now that since we kind of do have those answers, I do think maybe it might go 
away. away. But yeah, maybe it won't. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just it's something that's – and I'm not even trying to, like, tell on my own news department because I know Will is providing updates mm-hmm. and going to his desk and probably being like, Collins, why are you saying these things? And I think also because now we have that information today that it imploded. But I was told that they knew, they heard the sound, the Navy heard the sound of the implosion days ago. And I think yeah. the countdown of the oxygen leaving is was, what kept us yeah. intrigued because we was holding out hope for those hours. No, for sure. I, I understand the dominance the last couple of days. I, I guess the only thing I was saying is I'm not sure that I, w- I will understand if it has continued dominance as a, as a you know headline-grabbing story for a few uh, more days. But let me ask it this way, because this might be... Well, thank you. I'm happy you did. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me ask it this way, because this might be the difference between people in the news and everybody else. There's already a... I don't want to call it apathy, but an acceptance of, of sad, of tragedy, as a byproduct of covering news, right? So yeah, maybe the last organization to actually realize that they're still talking about something depressing and we don't need to know about it anymore might be the people who have long put that off to the side as far as a thing that, like, every day. You have, you've had to cover really difficult stories uh, in the time you've been here in Peoria. Right. And I imagine that just becomes a, a part of it. Yeah, I can kind of separate my emotions from actually telling the facts of the mm-hmm. story. It's just seeing families crying that gets me. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right, let's so, stop yes. being Debbie Downer and talk about that then. Uh, but thank you. I'm really glad we had a candid conversation about that. Uh, there are other things. Uh, you have a very interesting story. Uh, I'll get to it in just a second about um, a call for more volunteers for Big Brothers, uh, specific volunteers for Big Brothers, uh, the Heart of Illinois Big Brothers Big Sisters organization. I uh, had a story earlier on that. But first, just I wanted to palate cleanse a bit. Uh, let's do the Miss Illinois Earth thing that's coming up. You're, yes. you're involved with that? Great uh, pilot cleanser. Yep. So the Miss Illinois Earth pageant competition, I am still looking for girls ages 5 to 26 years old. I really need teens, 13 to 18-year-olds, who are interested in becoming the next teen Miss Illinois Earth. And Miss Illinois Earth pageant competition is environmentally focused, so all the contestants do a community service project focused on bettering the planet, wow. ultimately. And then the winners from Miss Illinois go on to compete at the national competition in Orlando, Florida, for Miss Earth or Teen Miss Earth or Little Miss Earth or Junior Tiny Miss Earth. Okay. So. <laughs> that, that is adorable. That there's a junior and a tiny. Um, do, and that's five age divisions. Do they have like a limit to the amount of people? Does it matter? Like can you have as many contestants? As, I can have as many contestants as I okay. can, can find. mentally get together. <laughs> Figure out. And, all. Yeah. Uh, and then that's you said it's the 15th and the 16th. There's actually like a show? Yes, it's going to be at the Peoria Civic Center. I just left there doing a last little run-through nice. with all the tech and the staging and everything else. So I'm even more excited about it. Awesome. So the deadline right now is absolutely free for anyone to compete. Wow. It's free to sign up, free to enter. You really, I think the biggest expense technically is the gown that mm-hmm. the girls would need to wear. But, yeah, it's for girls 5 to 26 years old. So we have Peoria Civic Center on July 15th. Who are the judges? They're going to be other pageant girls. Okay. No, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I'll announce them in this. Okay. And I, <laughs> see, I try to make you break news. Okay, cool. Well, that's fine. And as I saw, uh, MissIllinoisEarth.com is the website you can go to. And then Apply Now yes. is the uh, right there uh, smack dab at the first page uh, in front of you. So a pretty easy way to go it's through It's a white process. button. And then for the to bypass the application fee is free app, F-R-E-E-A-P-P in all caps. Nice. Oh, there we go. Cool. Um, uh, let's talk about the Big Brothers thing. So you had this story earlier this week, the Heart of Illinois a big brother, big sisters organization. They have a lot of kids. Uh, they need some big brothers. Yes. So they say as their program is growing, the kids wanting to be part of the program is also growing as well. 
their current wait list is 70 kids right now. Wow. And I think it's all because of word of mouth. And one kid would see their big, their friends with their big brothers or sisters, and they want to be part of the program. So they have all these kids that really want older mentors, and they don't have any mentors who are signing up just yet. So they're doing a 30 bigs in 30 days campaign. It ends on June 30th, and they're specifically looking for more black men who want to be big brothers because I think a lot of the, a lot, about, out of the 70 kids, 50, I don't know if it was 50% or 55 kids gotcha. are all black boys, black or brown boys. Sure. So they really want to pair them with black men who look like them so they can have those kind of dialogue and that kind of conversation. Sure. And this is just their way of trying to help curb some of the violence that we see typically happen in the summer. Yeah, and we were talking about this a little bit off the air. Um, you said that you're actually kind of participating, uh, being yes, a big sister. Yes, they convinced okay. me to be a, a big sister. Nice. Round two, I think I did find the first go around my actual little sister. So nice. hopefully I don't traumatize someone else's kid. There you go. I think I'm going to do it too. I think that I'll, I'll just be a part of it uh, however I can help yes. out. Because uh, I'd like to be a big brother uh, to somebody. Um, and actually you pointed out a second ago asking for uh, black men uh, to get involved because – um, black kids would have unique questions that I know I can't answer. I know that there'd be some questions right. that would be asked to me, <laughs> and I'd look at a, a kid and be like, that's a good one, man. That's a real good one. But what they were saying, that the kids just really want friends. you know. Sure. And you don't know what kids are going through nowadays, but sometimes they don't feel like they could talk to their parents or their sisters, their actual sisters and brothers, about the issues that they're facing. Yeah. So they just probably just need like a nice listening ear. And the commitment isn't that that um, crazy is about four times a month that you hang out with them for about an hour or so. Cool. And you can do anything. They were telling me, the organizers were telling me that sometimes the kids go on grocery runs. Nice. Or they go to baseball games. So it's a way for you to kind of get outside. The kids get outside. It's summertime. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of just help out a little bit of Peoria's future. I love that. And I bet you for a kid it would be really cool to have a big sister who pops up on TV and, and you see you and be like, <laughs> and then I know little kids don't listen to radio, so I'd, I'd be trying to help a lot more there. Oh, that's, that's great. Uh, 30 bigs in 30 days. Do you know when that campaign ends? On June 30th. Okay, June 30th. So we have um, very little time left to get this. Do you know how close they are to that? So when I report on the story, they're looking for 15 people. Okay. I just talked to the organizers yesterday during the State of the City, and they said that they got 10 people since the story aired. Wow. So probably about five, but I don't think they're going to stop. At okay. a certain number. All right. Okay, cool. Because I don't want to volunteer them to be like, well, Collins, let's wait. Let's see <laughs> who the other five are that come in, and then maybe we'll get back to it. Um, anything else you've been reporting on? Anything that's coming up for you uh, that you'll be covering over the weekend? Yes. So I am headed towards – I'm doing two things, the Agent Orange Awareness, Awareness Ride in Pekin. This is the AMVETS. And they are having a bicycle ride. Registration is at 9 to 1130 at the – Post. Cool. I'm assuming the one in Pekin, North Pekin Post. And then also the June Outdoor Market at SLE on Pioneer Parkway is happening. This is with the Minority Business Development Center, Gary Moore's brainchild. Nice. And this is a marketplace that is happening from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. He actually has a book out. But there's food, vendors, music, and fellowship that's happening there. You work, from 11 3. you work a lot of weekends, right? Like yes. uh, almost every weekend you're out somewhere? Yes, okay. but I should be done on Saturdays at least. Friday nice. and Saturday for my off days here moving forward. I was curious if you ever walk into an event just as Brett Brooks, the person, not the reporter, and people look at you like, why is the news covering this? Uh, since you work so much over the weekend, yeah. maybe you show up at a party and someone's like, oh, uh, 25 is here. Let's go ahead and tell her our story. Typically. You're like, please let me just be here to hang out. Oh, no. I got to tell you a story off air. I went out with this guy. That's all he wanted to talk about was the news. <laughs> <laughs> on, oh, no. on Taco Tuesday. Okay. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't mind going out. But all he wants about was what Anchor was doing. What? Yeah. How 
I do these stories, how I will pour it, my mm-hmm. on-air presence. And I was like, can Man, you just come on. enjoy yeah. the tacos? <laughs> I am off the clock. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is I've, I've been married a long time now, but all my buddies who still date, like I tell them they shouldn't do the like deep social media dive into the people they're going out with for a first date. They I still agree. do it, and then they have nothing to ask that they don't already know the answer to. You're unique. That's you're, interesting. You're on television, so someone doesn't really do a deep dive to see Brett Brooks. You just turn on the news and you're reporting on stuff. That's his version of like stalking your Instagram, I think, a little bit. And he definitely <laughs> got it true. wrong. It's not, I don't know. I'm defending him a bit. Uh, there's no second date. Uh, no. <laughs> no, okay. there isn't. All right. Too bad, buddy. It's fun. I'm glad we talked about that on the radio. All right. Um, anything else before I let you go? Um, that's mainly the main thing. Um, there was an arrest in the Pekin uh, homicide. It was a double homicide. This was just breaking news into our. Oh, wow. In, a few minutes ago. The 17-year-old who had the hit and run with the person on the moped yeah. was arrested. He's being charged as an adult. Okay. All right. Uh, so, thank but you for that. there is an arrest because I know people were wondering because I yeah. think he was on a run for a little bit. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, quick break. Look at you doing your job. Um, did you do that during the date? Like, did you give him updates on the news during the date? No. I was trying okay. to enjoy my tacos. <laughs> Okay, it was good, really yeah. good. And yeah, it wasn't your fault. Wait, can I give a shout out to the people at sure. Jalapenos who inter- entertain our little conversation and had the best tacos on Tuesday? So sure. if you're looking for a good Taco Tuesday spot, Jalapenos and Metro Center. Yes, I will. I will. I will um, also say that the VFW in Peoria Heights has an underrated Taco Tuesday as well. Oh, yeah. um, well, you know, I just moved to the Heights, so maybe I'll try. There that you go. Um, the guy who makes them is from Mexico, and my wife had a oh. big giant conversation with him about how authentic they taste. It's a great thing. Uh, oh. But you have two Taco Tuesday spots. Uh, quick break. <laughs> a lot more. 1470. We do everything on the show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thank you again to Brent Brooks of 25 News for hanging out, uh, giving us some um, insider information to the stuff she's been covering and the stuff coming up on TV. Uh, 25 News is our television partner. Uh, MissIllinoisEarth.com, the website to sign up to be a part of the beauty pageant. Uh, that will happen on July 15th and 16th here in town uh, that she's actually running. Uh, she has won that one before, uh, not here in Peoria. It's the first time it will ever be here uh, in Peoria. So uh, interesting for sure uh, for anyone that wants to sign up and be a part of that. And they're, they're looking for a lot of different age groups, as she said a bit ago. Uh, other things out there, I think this is interesting. Uh, Furby is coming back. Uh, Hasbro is bringing back the toy after seven years of it not being on the market. I feel like it's been longer than seven years. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of the original Furby mania uh, that swept the, the nation, uh, is being said here. So Furby is now available once again. Uh, don't buy it. This is my hot take. Unless there's somebody out there that's advertising with us that's selling Furbies, then I guess i buy it from them. Uh, go buy a used one that's at some sort of store that no one is buying, uh, even like a, you know, like a Goodwill or something. I'm sure you can track down a Furby. Don't get the new one. The new one's 70 bucks. That's an insane amount of money to pay for a brand new Furby. Apparently, it has five voice-activated modes, and you do not need it. Uh, do not buy it. Uh, that is my hot take. I've never got the Furby thing. Uh, someone explain that to me. 309-340-4464. I don't understand uh, why Furbies were ever a popular thing. I'm a millennial. I'm in my late 30s, so I'm pretty sure that I was um, not at all paying attention the first time this whole thing happened. I was alive, but I didn't care. And now, um, well, it's happening again, or at least they're trying to make it happen again. I just think they look dumb and creepy. Uh, but again, the biggest reason I'm telling you not to buy one is not because of my, my Furby hate uh, that I didn't know was as strong as, as it is until right now, as I said then on the radio. But it's actually because you can very easily, for a lot less money, obtain yourself a Furby, an OG Furby, people. Uh, that's got to be better somehow. I don't know. 
I, I ridicule people and then I buy things like the pop figurines uh, that uh, Scout Robbins gets made fun of by Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins. I buy those too. So I know to each their own. Uh, do what you want, I guess, but uh, I think it's a waste of money. Uh, Arizona Iced Tea has a new alcoholic version of its product. It does not cost 99 cents, which is very sad. It's called Arizona Hard. It has 5% alcohol in it. I'm sure some people can make some other jokes I'm not going to make uh, about the name of that product. Uh, it'll cost $3.49 for a 22-ounce can of Arizona iced tea chock full of liquor, um, which you can just make on your – actually, these are two for two for things you shouldn't spend your money on. You can, you can do this yourself, people. Uh, you can buy a 99-cent or whatever Arizona iced tea costs now. I feel like it might be more than a dollar. I haven't bought one in a bit. And you can add alcohol to it to your heart's delight. Uh, you can do all this on your own. You could probably even bring an Arizona iced tea into the VFW in Peoria Heights, and they can add the alcohol for you, and you don't need to spend three forty nine on a can that's probably not going to be as heavy of a pour as some of the amazing bartenders at the VFW. Highly recommend. And actually, if my wife is behind the bar, uh, which she's done uh, just once so far, uh, definitely the pour is going to be way too heavy or exactly too heavy, uh, depending on who you are out there. Uh, Betty does not want to, um, I think, um, change that part of her. I think it's going to help her get a lot of tips if she's ever a bartender at some point uh, down the road. All right. Other things out there, too, that I thought were interesting. I love this. Uh, There's a style trend on social media on places like TikTok. Uh, Young people are saying that this is all the rage, that you should do it. And the reason I love this so much is I do this all the time by mistake and had no idea that this was a fashion move now. But wear shoes that don't match your outfit. Uh, There's a whole explanation of that. Not just ladies, but guys, I guess. If you wear sneakers with something that seems inappropriate, whatever it is, the colors are way off. I do this all of my life. I I wear one pair of shoes uh, for as many days as they last. And then when they fall apart, I move on to my next pair of shoes. I do the same thing with my car. I have my 96 Jeep, and I refuse to give it up. I don't know why that is. Anything that transports me, I'm a one-and-done kind of guy. Uh, One pair of shoes, one car, don't want to change anything. Uh, But so I'm told a lot, even by uh, Betty, uh, that there are outfits I put on, and she looks down at the shoes. She's like, come on, those shoes don't look right for that. You got a pair of dress shoes on with some shorts. I'm like, I don't know. I got shoes. I have clothes. But apparently this is very trendy. I'm very popular now, so thank you to anyone out there, all the young people uh, that turn this into a thing uh, that probably none of my friends will even uh, really accept as a thing, and they'll still uh, joke about my terrible fashion decisions, but somebody somewhere is going to be impressed with me, uh, and that's, I guess, all that matters, because uh, I don't care. I, I don't care at all. I like the one shoe, one car, one move, uh, one cooking apparatus. I like to do just one thing, if I can, in a lot of ways in my life, I get married just the one time. I'm hoping that's going to uh, stay unless Betty wises up and realizes that I'm ridiculous. Uh, but I think that's I think that's a life plan or that should be on my bumper sticker is Craig. I only do stuff once um, except for this show because I do it multiple times a week. Um, all right. I'm finding a lot of holes in my problem again. I'm finding a lot of other things you could be saying into your radio as far as issues with my stance. Uh, but Will's got the news. I'm going to pretend none of this happened. 1470s and AM, 100.3 is an FM. I just do one thing. Who am I? Uh, all over the Internet, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. Will, talk about stuff that's not the stuff I'm talking about. Well, let me just say first, though, that uh, I've seen a, I've seen people make fashion decisions worse than yours. Thank so you, you're, sir. You're fine. Why, everything you. is fine. Everything's great. As for everything else you do, I, I, I'll give you the number to my therapist later. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I don't know if I want for. that. I feel like that therapist is already at their at their limit, though. You think so? Yeah, I don't think they can take on anybody else. <laughs> yeah, wait till you find out why. All right.
1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, the VFW in Peoria Heights has been very cool. They've introduced me to a lot of other very cool people uh, that they work with. Uh, Ken is in studio. Uh, he is the creator, the producer, the organizer, the everything. He's the guy in the world of flutes for vets of central Illinois. Uh, Ken, welcome to the show, man. Hi, how are you Here, doing? Grab that mic and pull it closer. Okay, actually. there yeah, we there go. You, there we go. Uh, yeah, so uh, flutes for vets is something I got to experience at the VFW in Peoria Heights. You guys did a performance with some of the students, yep. um, which was really cool and very moving, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but first, what's the elevator pitch? What's the idea behind this? Um, what is Flutes for Vets? Flutes for Vets is a way for veterans who are dealing with PTSD or mental health issues who are having a tough time during their day and just want to find some calming. Mm-hmm. And we teach them how to play the Native American flute, a wood instrument with six holes. And it is a known fact that the voice or the sound that comes out of the flute works with the brain. The two bring that calming into effect. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they can, you know, I tell them, it does, you don't have to play songs. Just sit there and play whatever you feel. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was a study that said that the, the sound created by the flute uh, can help be sort of uh, cathartic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That's, it's amazing. Yes. Um, why, why, maybe that's part of the answer then to this next question, but why did you choose this? Is this something that you were passionate about before you started sharing it with veterans? Or? I'm a veteran. I served in Vietnam, uh, probably not in as rough a time as a lot of guys, but I always have wanted to give back to mm-hmm. our veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw this as an opportunity to go learn this, you know, and I keep telling them you got to practice to get better at yeah. it. But it helps them, which makes me feel good yeah. with myself. Yeah, no, even uh, sitting there at some of the lessons at the VFW, which is just in the back room, is, is kind of cool to see. But um, what I meant to say is is why, where did you get your love for the uh, Native American flute first? Did that come through this program, or was it something you were playing before? No, uh, my hands, as I age, get arthritis in the hands. Can't I used to play guitar, write my music. I can't do that as well anymore, so I needed some outlet. Gotcha. And the flute was great workable yeah. instrument. Uh, do you play a lot in the morning? Is that something that's kind of like cool? I feel well, like... Well, if you call 2.30 in the morning, yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I feel like it'd be a kind of cool thing with the sun rising and standing there playing the flute. Um, so uh, tell me about the, the process for a veteran who wants to learn this. There's multiple locations uh, yep. where you're doing lessons right now. Everything is entirely free. Uh, you do have a couple um, organizations helping you, like the VFW in Peoria Heights, uh, but anyone that wants to help more, there's going to be ways to do that. Uh, but how does a, a veteran get involved who wants to learn? best way to do it is uh, they can, if they go to uh, our website, which is, of course, Flutes for Vets of Central mm-hmm. Illinois. Yes. Uh, I have my phone number on there. They can, we have an email that they can send to me. Cool. Or they can contact someone like the uh, Peoria Heights VFW, and yeah. they'll get a hold of me. I invite them to a lesson, and I bring a flute, give them their beginner's manual, and we start off right there. Uh, what other locations are you doing this at? We do in uh, Ottawa, Illinois, at the American Legion. Gotcha. Uh, I do the Veterans Assistance Commission in Peru. Okay. Uh, I do it out of my home. Nice. And we've got the Dayspring Native American Church in East Peoria. Okay. And then, of course, the VFW in Peoria Heights. So you're doing, like, a flute lesson a day 
four or five days a week every single week right pretty now. Much, pretty You're much. playing the flute all the time, apparently, yeah. uh, Ken. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about the performances because the, the objective for anyone that's learning this is to inevitably uh, put on a, a show. And I got to be a, the first one at the VFW in Peoria Heights where uh, your students, and there were several of them, uh, all played one song, which actually I'll even say this. I'm sorry to overcomplicate the question. It, it's so interesting to think about the life of someone that serves and protects our country like you, and thank you for your service, because so much of that is a, a group mentality. So much of that is it's me, it's my unit, it's my my you know friends for life now. Um, and then when you're standing there on stage playing a flute, I saw a unique set of nerves in a few guys that I would think are are way 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 um, you know uh, further beyond ever having nerves in a moment like that. Oh yeah. Because it's just you alone standing on a stage, which almost feels um, very valuable, but sort of like at odds with some of the things that would have been uh, the the training and everything that's that's part of being a, a veteran. I want them to feel that they got the confidence to go in front of people to play this instrument. And I've got some people that just back off. I have one student that's taken lessons for three months, and he he was up in front, played in front of everybody, 40 people. Nice. And it's like... That's an amazing feat. Yes, it is. And, and the, the um, music was good, and everybody played. Like, you let every single student play their own, like, sort of unique um, solo performance. It was just inter- It moved me a lot to see a couple guys that I, again, would consider people that should have no reason to ever feel nervous again in their life with some of the things they've seen to be a little bit nervous up on that stage. Oh, yeah. And it, it must be uh, thrilling for then someone like that, feeling that, to go through a performance and then to have everybody stand up and applaud. What's amazing is you've got... Veterans out there who have never played an instrument, know nothing about music, mm-hmm. and here we have them in front of people playing. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's incredible. Um, so tell me a little bit more about some of the feedback you've gotten from people, um, maybe people who didn't even expect to like this as much as it seems that so many people who get involved uh, do. If you're a veteran uh, who's thinking to yourself, I don't want to learn how to play a Native American flute, uh, I think one, two lessons, and you'll probably be hooked as everybody seems to be at the – uh, VF, the VFW in Peoria Heights. Uh, but talk a little bit about that, about maybe some reactions you've gotten from students. Uh, people are apprehensive when they start, and I tell them, by the third lesson, you are going to be playing a song, and they are. <laughs> I mean, there's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, sure. You Are My Sunshine, sure. but they are songs. Yes. And we also do something of setting people back-to-back, no music in front of them, and I start one person, I say, you know the pentatonic scale, mm-hmm. play it, play whatever you want, and then stop, and I let the other person. So it's that's yeah. called improv. Yeah. And they, they do it's amazing. A, a call and response sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's very, very cool. Um, so uh, there are ways to get involved as far as, far as donating, uh, and there are costs. Um, you buy and give the flutes for free to every single one Correct. of your students. Um, you give them um, you know, these training booklets that you make. Obviously, uh, the time and the, the commitment it takes for you to get around everywhere uh, to do these lessons. Uh, there's a myriad of costs. So if you go to Facebook.com slash FFVOCI, uh, that stands for Flutes for Vets of Central Illinois, Facebook.com slash FFVOCI. You'll see the link to all the different website places, including uh, the PayPal donation page. Um, but what else are you looking for? What other kind of help? Are there volunteers you need? Um, it's hard to find volunteers because we have such a kind of a crazy schedule. I sure. mean, we're in 
so many, uh, you know, five different locations, and it's it's hard for me to uh, find someone that wants to step up. My ideal way that I'm working on right now is to veterans teaching veterans. Gotcha. So my students who have gone through the program, what I try to do with them is say, okay, I want you to take this lesson tonight. Mm-hmm. You teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can have sort of a representative in each place. I get yeah. it. That makes sense. Uh, one last question for you, and thanks again, uh, Ken, for making some time and talking to us about this. And again, if you want more information, if you are a vet uh, that is unsure if this would be something that would help you, I think it will. Uh, Flutes for Vets of Central Illinois on Facebook uh, or anyone else that wants to get involved, donate whatever it is. Um, Taps is a song that is very important, of course, to our military, uh, very important in the world of a military funeral. And yet the ability to play taps with all the horns and things that you sort of expect um, to be uh, at uh, every single one of those sort of events is getting harder and harder. It's, It's more and more difficult. You've told me before that Flutes for Vets is actually a conduit to solving the problem of having a TAPS performance at these very important uh, military events. Well, let me give you an idea of what happened this morning. Sure. Uh, one of my students' dad, who was a Navy veteran, passed away. And so Randy asked me to play at his dad's funeral, play TAPS. Wow. Um, never know for sure how the other posts are going to react or how, in this case, it was two Navy personnel. They need to give permission for another instrument other than a bugle to be played. Gotcha. Got the okay from everybody. Today was the first time I've ever done it this way, but the post, the American Legion post, uh, and this was in Samanac, Illinois, they played taps first, did the whole thing. Then we took a just about 30 second pause and I played the flute wow with taps and I had more comments about that sure no I, yeah. I I had I watched taps get performed I think Randy actually played it um, at the performance of the VFW mm-hmm. and then again Randy played it um, while we were cleaning graves for veterans for the honor their sacrifice organization right. and both times it was moving and it was just one person and one uh, flute. Uh, but again, since there actually is, believe it or not, a challenge in the world of finding people that can show up uh, to things like military funerals and play that very important song, uh, having someone with a flute, which is a, a much uh, easier, accessible thing, um, is is a, a important solution uh, to making sure that that song is played at every single um, you know um, moment like that. Let me tell you another situation. Sure. Every year... Um, on Memorial Day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, all across America, they ask anybody that plays any kind of an instrument to go somewhere and play taps. So I had 16 veterans that I had talked to and said, 3 o'clock on Memorial Day, go outside, wherever you're at, play taps. I was... In total awe. I had 12 of them that responded and wow. did it. Wow. Wow. That's and, really cool. Yeah. yeah. That you can send it to send one individual to that many different locations yep. and have that. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. Um, oh. Again, thank you for your service, Ken. And I, I hope that a lot of people get involved. And at least uh, if you are capable, if you donate, uh, facebook.com slash FFVOCI. Um, I can't tell you how moving it is for me, a person with military family, but I didn't uh, serve our country, to watch the emotions pour out of people um, through the lessons and through the performances uh, Mm -hmm. that you're teaching them with the flute. Um, Because 
Um, if you want to understand why I'm advocating for what you do and why it's important to have you on the air, uh, go to any of these things or even maybe pull up a video online and see the, the emotion um, and, and realize the importance of that uh, for, for people who've gone through so much. Um, thank you again, Ken. You're welcome. Sure. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, you can send me text messages, 309-340-4464 is the number to reach out to me during the show, 309-340-4464. Top five at five coming up in about 18 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, Dan DiOrio is going to join me again. I, I enjoyed having Dan on it uh, last week, uh, so I will chat with Dan, talk a little bit about the morning show, uh, but also run through the five biggest stories of the day, according to this guy. Uh, one of those stories is definitely the drought uh, still in our area. And I know it's not top five at time yet, but we're doing this a little bit here, too. Uh, it is one of the driest seasons on record. Uh, Central Illinois is certainly being hit pretty hard. Uh, there's actually a drought uh, monitor uh, that's available a lot of places. You can pull it up online. And most of our community is in a, a significant, uh, severe or moderate amount of drought uh, only some uh, pretty southern parts of Illinois, uh, compared to us, are in a just abnormally dry, uh, which are the different, uh, I guess, barometers there. Uh, 30.67% of all of the state is in a severe drought. Moderate is 82.2%, uh, which, by the way, is more than 100, and I was a little confused by that. Uh, but that, those are the numbers looking at me uh, with the drought monitor they have in front of me. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And if you know the answer, uh, send me a text, 309 340 uh, four four six four to explain to me why uh, both of those things make sense. Uh, but again, I'm sure that I'm reading them correctly. Uh, dry spring weather has been an issue. Uh, dry spring weather has been uh, something where Illinois dry, ranked the driest as far as rainfall totals from April 1st to June 20th. Um, really, just um, cer certainly something that more and more farmers are going to be contending with and already contending with. It's silly to say going to be contending with. And how uh, that season eventually, uh, like the significance, the, the um, totality of the impact is something that will probably take a while for us to understand. Uh, earlier this week, when Mark Strauss was on the show, uh, he reminded us of all the different ways that corn uh, and, and certain products being grown right now actually um, are used. Not just things we eat, uh, but things that go into our fuel. There's all different ways in which uh, having a uniquely dry season and uniquely you know, um, smaller amount of total product is going to have uh, just wide ranging impacts on on all of us. All right. Other things out there that I thought were interesting, uh, maybe a little bit um, sillier in nation uh, or in in, you know, type. Uh, the median age in the United States is now 39. That is the oldest we've ever been as a, as a country. Uh, this is because young people. Um, are not having as many kids as previous generations. In 2000, the average age for people in the United States was 35. In 1980, the average age for people was 30. 38.9, as I said, or 39, is, is uniquely old. Um, there's another reason why, and I guess this is the positive spin on it, is life expectancy is doing a little bit, just slightly better uh, than it was doing just years ago because, truthfully, um, the biggest conduit to just how different uh, our, our median age has gotten has been um, the amount of uh, or the lack of uh, kids uh, because actually we've uh, not done as well in increasing life like life expectancy as some other countries. So there's there's a a positive and a negative for sure in discussing this topic, but an interesting thing nonetheless. And since the median age is still slightly older than me, I feel like that means I'm I'm not 
old, uh, at least uh, officially not. Although I'm very close to officially being old, apparently, uh, which I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. I just love the fact here. I, I know that sounds anybody that's older than 37, uh, how old I am, probably thinks I'm a moron with the way I just said that. Uh, but I love how it's all just the, the eye of the beholder thing as far as your age is concerned. If you hang out with people your own age, you're never old. There's no age where you get to where you're old. If I'm around my nieces and nephews, uh, they look at me while I play a game of pickup basketball with them like I'm about to uh, fall completely apart to just uh, burst into flames somehow. And then if I'm around my mom, like I was the other weekend, and uh, her neighbor, and I'm doing yard work and things and helping her put up a fence, uh, they treat me like I'm seven years old, like I'm a, an absolute child. So all this is just in the eye of the beholder for sure, uh, but certainly something that I'm not sure uh, what the solution would be uh, as far as people having uh, more kids. I don't know if we'll ever have another baby boom. You would think that the pandemic would have been the most likely scenario to create a world in which we had a lot more people having a lot more kids uh, than we were having before. Uh, but some of the things that I looked up uh, just as a curiosity is sort of an add-on to this topic as to why uh, young people aren't having as many kids is you're getting married later in life. Uh, you're starting the family, say, later in life. And maybe uh, some people are starting it late enough that, that kids are not as easy of a thing uh, to, to be had in the first place. Just I'm talking about that from a, a you know, um, medical or a, a just that kind of perspective, just a health perspective. Uh, but beyond that, too, there also it seems to be a, a resistance uh, for more and more uh, millennials or even Gen Z to want to have big families. And there might be a cost component, obviously, to that, to the belief that, let's say, have one kid or two kids and not have uh, five. My grandmother had nine. Uh, which is interesting. My mother had four, and I've talked about it a little bit on the show, not that it was really our choice, uh, but my wife and I have not had any uh, children. So it's just, it's interesting to see uh, some of those changes and some of the ways in which that is as much of an impact as anything else um, on how we're getting older as a country. All right, we're going to take a break in just a bit. Will's going to do some news. As I said, after the news, it's time for the top five at five. Uh, that's the five biggest stories of the day, according to me. Uh, Dan DiOrio is going to be awesome to be a part of it because uh, there's things that I'm sure he and I will disagree on, uh, but um, I'm sure there's other things that we'll find agreement on. And, of course, uh, things like Hunter Biden will be all over my top five at five because I am I am genuinely surprised at times uh, that it's something that you don't hear about more, um, even though anyone that tells me they expect this from a lot of, say, a legacy media would look at me and think that I'm so, so young and naive, which I guess goes back to the thing I was talking about a second ago. It's all perspective, perspective, perspective. I say something like that, and people look at me and think that I'm, again, a 10 or 12 years old and just a little tiny kid. All right. Uh, Will's got the news. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, my next guest is going to be part of the top five at five with me for the second week in a row, and I'm actually quite thrilled about this. Uh, Dan DiOrio of our morning show, The Greg and Dan Show. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. Good. Um, yeah, so I'm going to run through some of the biggest stories of the day, and I just realized in the first few minutes as we were talking off the air, uh, we're going to disagree about some things. And so what's uh, really my favorite part, Dan, and I wish you were in studio for this, is I got my friends from the VFW uh, in studio for their segment that's coming up in a bit, 
They always bring a drink along with them. So I have a drink in my hand as you and I go through the news oh, of the day, my which God. feels yeah. exactly correct. Uh, this is from Casper, too, right? Uh, Eric, you can say that into the microphone. Is this a Casper That is a new seltzer? Casper seltzer that's nice. been flavored to cater to the customer's flavor. Fantastic. Uh, Casper is a brewery in Bloomington uh, run by a veteran that has both uh, beer products and now these um, these seltzer products. So I'm thrilled. Uh, so let's start with the first by one. By the way, yes. I, I have to tell you, my love for veterans the way they're treated after they get out of service is a little hinky to me. Yeah, it's, it's uh, terrible. I'm yeah. one of those people who think that if you serve in combat, you should get free health care wherever you go. Yeah, That's I think just, I think we should give a lot of stuff to, to veterans for free. Oh, I feel my like God. there should be a yeah. lot of things that you just walk around and, like, stuff's just handed to you while you're out and about uh, on your day-to-day life. Anyway, we'll get to that. Eric seems happy with that. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, let's do the topics of the day. Uh, the first one, uh, the one that we both have a unique take that I don't think is really out there that much on, is the tragedy of the the submarine? Uh, the five people that okay. they were they were trying to rescue for the last couple of days uh, likely died within an hour and a half um, into that trip uh, on Sunday because the the um, submarine, the submersible, was found and it had imploded. Um, my take today, Dan, just quickly, has been: I don't know why this is going to remain a dominant news story. Uh, we know the ending now. Uh, the mystery of saving them is gone, and so I kind of feel like news especially legacy media continuing to talk about this is is uh, there's no better way to say it. It's like news porn. Uh, it's just a version of I want people to pay attention to us on television. So I'm going to keep discussing a thing that really is just simplistically sad and fully, you know, comprehended. Um, and your take is even more uh, unique than my because I don't think a lot of people are saying what I'm saying out there in the world. What do you got on this story, Dan? Well, I call it news horse. You know, if it's a story, they'll put it in the front page. When the sure. middle class is fighting for this and this, and we had 200 immigrants die in Europe, try blah, blah, blah. This is the, I, I said this from the beginning, this is the top story. Rich, entitled arrogance should never be the top story. Now, I want to condense this real quick. Sure. So you, Craig Collins, want to go to climb Mount Everest. Sure. Okay, for whatever reason, you do it, Mm -hmm. okay? It's your personal journey. And if you are up there and dying, we're not coming to your help because you paid the Sherpa brothers Inc. (laughs) Mm -hmm. $40,000 or $50,000 to go up there. It's the responsibility of the Sherpa brothers to have helicopters, GPS, Mm -hmm. To rescue you. All right. This is not you're not doing anything for humanity. Yeah, it's I, your personal journey. I understand. Okay. I understand. So, the, okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I have something I want to say in response so to that idea. So the exploration, the Titan exploration, was a bunch of rich people going down to explore. No scientist said, "Oh my gosh, they were supposed to drop the kilometer, which would have saved whales." This was an individual, personal expedition. Mm-hmm. They went down there, and James Cameron likened it to the Titanic. Sure. There were warnings. Yeah. They went out. They ignored all the warnings, and they did it. Mm-hmm. And now everyone, oh, this is just all over. Yeah. I'm like, no. Sure. So here- These were rich, entitled people who went down mm-hmm. there, and the Titan Company Part of your two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. should have had a ten million dollar retainer 
to have the Coast Guard and sonar and scientists to back you up. All right, so they went down there blind, mm-hmm. and now everyone, oh, we got to save them. No, <sighs> the Titan Company should have saved them. Yeah, so it's a bunch of rich, entitled people who went down there. Right. This is not a headline. It's like going to Mount so, Everest. You want to do it? You so, die up yeah. there. You die up so there. So here, sorry. Here, I appreciate it, and I want my shot to to uh, counter argue some of these things. Uh, The first thing that I think is this is tremendously unique as far as the story goes. It's not like, and as you described them, rich, entitled people uh, take this trip and get lost every single day. And they're asking for every single um, part of, say, the Canadian government or our government or anyone else to save them. And the capability to save people is something that I think we care about. I think our military cares about it. I think other militaries care about it. So even if people on board those ships that tried to go and find these individuals, thought to themselves, man, this is maybe excessive use of our capability and the the cost it takes to get us to go a place. But I imagine every single person when asked the follow-up question, you want to try to save a life, they'd all say yes. Like, And I, I would say yes to that. I'm proud of a country that chooses to try to save lives if we think we can. And that's the reason it was in the news for the last couple of days is there was a belief that they were still alive, they were trapped and maybe suffocating slowly. And so we we moved heaven and earth as much as we could. Um, the other thing about the entitled aspect, I don't think that that makes you undeserving of being saved. Um, I, I just don't think it does. No. And even more importantly, if people have the means and they spend their money recklessly, um, I understand the, the idea that that means what eventually happened here is something they probably uh, should have seen coming or, or probably – I shouldn't have chosen to spend all the money on, but it, it doesn't change any of the other positions for me that they, they had the money to go. Do However, that. it doesn't make me mad. Here's my, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Here's my position. Mm-hmm. You pay 250,000, spend 500,000. And the captain of that says, what happens if we do it? We have a $10 million retainer because I'm responsible for you. Yeah. We're the calling scientists, the coast guard. Sure. I have a $10 million retainer to save your lives. Yeah. It's not the public's problem. It's my problem as the captain. And I got yeah. all the resources of ships. Well, you know what I say in response to that? And that is an interesting idea is then the places that chose to spend this uh, government money, uh, the the organizations, whoever they are, they should go after the company. They should go after the company that owns Titan, uh, much like the city of Chicago sued J- uh, Jesse Smollett after they realized that he made up that whole story. And they went after him for all the costs and all the police and, and time, manpower, and trying to figure out something that was bogus to begin with. Uh, but none of that, again, precludes anyone from the, the first part, which is the trying to save lives. It just it just simply makes sense to me. Uh, beyond that, but, though, beyond but, that, though, man, I guess the only other thing I'd say about this is to me now uh, it is a story that doesn't have very much value in our day to day lives because we, we know the sad no. and tragic ending. And I still think of it as a sad and tragic ending, even if the people who are on board that sub have way more money than I'll ever have. Uh, it's still it's still awful. Now, yeah, go ahead. My my headline is. Titan sinks. Mm-hmm. It's attempted almost attempted murder that guy did not have he sure. didn't do the inspection yeah. he didn't do anything yeah and i'm like i'm like I, it's tragedy yes it's tragedy of recklessness carelessness. we play the right. thing of the coast guard he goes 
you go down under 2,000 feet. We have ships. Yeah. We have soldiers. We have right. everything available. Yeah. It is dangerous down. And to go down there with any backup right. is reckless, careless. Right. But I, you I, know what it is? And, and it, it is a lesson to human nature. Sure. Oh, I will say one other we thing. We all do I, it. I don't think the news obsession was because they were rich people who somehow benefited from being rich people and that we cared about them. I think the reason that it was um, a news headline for the last few days, and as I said, I don't think it really, really should remain a news headline anymore, is because of the uniqueness of it. When you talk about migrants, migrants are crossing the border every single day in record numbers, yes. and it becomes an unmanageable thing to discuss. Let's talk about the violence in Chicago. Um, over the weekend yeah. – the Juneteenth weekend, which is, of course, that Monday, a celebration of the end of slavery in parts of our country that pretended slavery wasn't over, uh, horrific in and of itself. But there were multiple murders over the weekend in Chicago in the black community, and that is not talked about and discussed anymore because that is something that occurs every single weekend. We become immune, well, and the news becomes immune to some of the... I, I don't think it's a misrepresentation uh, in that way or a lack of discussion uh, because somehow the news people are being racist or the news people are, are not caring about the plight of, of people that aren't you know, billionaires and millionaires. I think it's because of how utterly you know, odd this story is compared to the stories of every day. Uh, and I think that there are well, solutions. I will yeah, say the word ratings whore. Sure. I Fox, think that now. CNBC. Yeah, I think I think yeah, so now. Ratings whore. I think if they continue yeah. to talk about it because they think that's what people want to hear, they're not reporting news. They're just catering yeah. to whatever they think will get them the most. I'm uh, a blue eyeballs. collar guy. We're, Fair enough, we're struggling to pay bills. This is not a story to me. Anyway. All right. Uh, so one other thing. Yes. thing the, the Elon yeah, Musk versus the last one, the Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg thing. Oh, I love this. So it's a cage match. Right. And they say Joe Rogan may actually call this. Right. And I love the cage match idea. I don't know what it sends to our nation, Barbaric, but I love all this thing. And my undercard on this is mm -hmm. the glam jam. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert in the cage. They don't want to fight each other, though, man. To... They, they wouldn't want it. you got to have Lauren Boebert take on AOC. That's a fight that people want to see. That's a fight they want to have. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor and, Greene. And, and I'm thinking yeah, go ahead. the cage match idea is great. So President G, uh -huh. and I'm, I, I think we need to be diplomats. We should be talking to China, even though there are adversaries. They're not talking to us, we, Dan. And, and the, well, they don't have a lot of interest in talking to us. No, well, we did, and, and if, they, if, they almost didn't talk to um, uh, Blinken. He had to beg for it. Yeah. And Biden's been you know on why? for a couple Biden months. Became, because Biden became president. When I'm president, the first week <laughs> I'm meeting with Z. Fair enough. It may not be in China, yeah. may by, but when you're talking, you're not mm. fighting. So yeah. anyway, so, G, so Blinken goes over and says a lot of things. Yeah, and 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 reinstates the the the, the one China policy, which he's right on. We're not going to defend China's or Taiwan's independence. You know blah, blah, who's blah, you know who's disagreed with that? It, President Biden, when he said that we would put troops on the ground, boots on the ground in Taiwan to defend it. The president right. of the country is out of step with his administration, and his administration acts as though his opinion doesn't matter. That doesn't embarrass us. I think that embarrasses us. I think it should. Well, embarrass I think. Us. I think Biden's wrong, and Biden called him a dictator. Sure. In the Chinese culture, you don't call somebody out. So what Xi should have done, mm -hmm. Xi called in the ambassador and addressed him. What Xi should have done is 
told the ambassador, name the place. Yeah. Cage match, cage match, <laughs> cage match. All right, hold on. Oh, so, so you have Biden versus uh, President Xi. You have, yes, I changed it, it to AOC versus Bobert. And then the topping on the, on all of that is Zuckerberg versus Musk. And Dana White is right, there on the sideline and, and Joe Rogan is calling it. And that's why Biden shouldn't be president because he'd trip on the stairs up into the cage. He would get lost uh, trying better, to get in. It, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't even fight the right person. I feel like Biden would be fighting some corner person that's not there, and she would just stand. That no. would be as embarrassing as anything else. No, go ahead. What do you got? No, it's it's like a cage match. Is it barbaric? It's better than nuclear war. <laughs> if, if, if if presidents of countries yes. have disputes. Settle it in the cage. No nuclear go. war. Well, we don't need Biden, and, and we don't no. need Trump. Maybe DeSantis can fight. I don't know, but it's better than nuclear war. Fair enough. Thank you, Dan. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, stop it on that. I love that last sentence. A cage match is better than nuclear war. We can sell that. That can be the Dan DiOrio vote for me in 2024 for president uh, campaign yeah. strategy. Yes, uh, you'll cage match yeah. anybody. Uh, that's what we should do. Well, thanks yeah. again, buddy. Uh, uh, what's going on in the Greg and Dan show? Anything people need to check out? Any podcast? Anything coming up on Monday? No, uh, uh, we, yes. Greg's off this week, and I don't know if you know this. He's on a fantasy striping duty. <laughs> Greg's OCD. Nice. And he's always wanted to stripe Wayne. Yes, yes, I've heard. he feels, yeah, he was on the uh, Forest Park. Uh, drive one and, and that's, that's what he's doing. He's striping lanes in the county. Fair enough, man. He's always doing amazing things when he's on vacation, and none of those are ever things you're making oh, yeah. up that he's doing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll talk to you later, bud. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Cool. Talk to you later. Quick break. A lot more. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have some guests from the VFW in studio. I got Quartermaster Eric and Commander Bailey in studio with me. How you guys doing? Doing great. Doing good. All right. Uh, wait. Get a little bit closer to that microphone. Pull doing that up closer. Um, so uh, <laughs> let me ask you guys first. You both served in the Navy. How interesting this whole week has been in the world of everybody that doesn't understand. And I don't even know what a submersible is until Monday compared to a sub. Uh, but we've been talking about something all week that you guys have probably been sitting in the back of your chairs like, yeah, we understand how parts of this already go. Has it been interesting to have this be such a dominant story uh, all week long? It has been. And people asking me a lot of questions about, you know, what it's like to be underwater, how deep can you go, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's still some things are still confidential because our capabilities still have to be withheld. So, yeah. you know. So let me ask you that first thing, the thing that Dan DiOrio is kind of getting at and doing it a different way than I would. Um, this sounded inherently dangerous, right? Like, as, as you've been described, the vehicle itself, the five-person submersible controlled by a video game controller, uh, that's the kind of thing that neither of you would ever, ever, ever get on at no. any point. You're like, okay, right. No. So what do you think of the the mere existence of things like that? Do you think that's something that, that shouldn't be accessible at all? Um, obviously, it made a bunch of journeys and, and didn't have the horrific ending we see the other day. So is this something that's that's bad to even have out there in the first place? Well, luck will only take you so far. Sure. Um, so my own personal opinion, I think there needs to be some work, some kind of guidelines for tourist uh, safety. I mean, yeah, they went on the, on, the, on the submersible, took that risk. But at the same time, where they really explained every single risk, mm-hmm. they were more excited about going to see the Titanic versus what the risks that would be involved. Yeah. And then going on a vessel, which is clearly not safe enough to go to that depth, mm-hmm. 
And then there's where your your falling out comes at. Well, so it's interesting. So one of the other big discussions in the world of news has been, um, will there be court cases? Will the families that lost their loved ones sue this company? And the waiver had three or four references to uh, the possibility of death, and people signed it. Uh, But to your point that you just made a second ago, uh, some are saying that anyone with the expertise like both of you have to have served and, and understand subs better, it's going to be easy in a courtroom to demonstrate how this isn't the type of thing that anyone should be getting on and trying yeah. to, to go down. Okay, so both of you then agree that maybe it'll be um, a somewhat transparent uh, conversation about how this was dangerous and there, there was no way uh, to truly say that people weren't uh, likely at some point to end up in a situation this bad? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits come about. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just inevitable. It's the way the country works anymore. Yeah. Um, but on the same token, they did sign their waiver. Again, how much of that waiver did they really understand yeah. or just sign the document so they can get on with their little you know, jaunt? Yeah. Um, any reaction to the other thing that Dan said, uh, either one of you, uh, about uh, this is rich people who spent a lot of money to do something unique that a lot of us don't have access to because we don't have the money for it. So for that reason, we shouldn't care or we shouldn't have even tried to – I'm, I'm not trying to add too many words to what Dan said. I'm sure he didn't say it or, or intend it to be as strong as it might have sounded. Uh, but, like, move all of the different Coast Guard people to try to save uh, these individuals. Uh, do you guys have a reaction to that idea? Yeah, that's what our job is as a military. We're a compassionate uh, country. Um, we also do a lot of humanitarian aid and efforts such as that. It doesn't matter, you know, who does what at, at what point. The families are involved as well. Mm-hmm. They need they need to have a, a, a sense of closure as well. Yeah. And that's what the military does. I mean, if we're not under, you know, under a wartime scenario and you've got the equipment out there, believe it or not, they're actually getting free training because now they're doing a humanitarian effort and training at the same time. They're getting that experience. Do you agree? I totally agree with yeah. what he's saying. So just the idea that if you're standing on, on the deck of a ship and you're like, hey, we need to try to save these people, at no point does it run through your mind, what's their net worth? That's not, that's not a question you ask yourself. <laughs> no. Yeah, ex- yeah. Their life is – there is no net worth on someone's life. Exactly. All right, cool. Well, thank you both. Um, uh, hang in, though. We're going to talk about things that are not that uh, main story in just a bit. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I'm trying to be a respectful man, and I'm still wrong is what I just found out. I got uh, my friends at the VFW in studio, Quartermaster uh, Thurman. I should probably go with your last name. And then Commander, I thought, you know, in military, you don't throw around guys' first names. You say Bailey. So I said Commander Bailey. And then off the air, you were just telling me you got promoted, and I'm not giving you the right title now. Uh, what's your new uh, role now? I'm still the commander of VFW. Here, wait, lean a little bit closer to the mic. Yeah. I'm still the commander of the... Pure Heights VFW. Post, but okay. I'm also the commander of District 9, which is like 15 posts. I District believe, commander. Is that the role that I should be saying then? You can call me okay. commander. Whatever you want. Whatever All right, cool. Want. All right, cool, dude. Yeah, I want, I want to try as hard as I can to get that right. Uh, but you guys are hanging out in the studio. You brought along with you some drinks, which I love that we do on a Friday now. Um, these are from uh, Casper. Uh, Casper is a brewery in Bloomington that you should go to. Uh, it's run by a vet. They've got a crap ton of beer on tap because uh, he makes all those. And these are um, his his other uh, product that he's making a lot of now, uh, which is probably very popular with the young people. Um, but they're all uh, very, very good. It's all the seltzers and stuff. And you guys can even make them custom uh, at the VFW because you mix the two things separate, right? You bet. Yeah, so it's very cool. There's a lot of things going on at the VFW, and I know I've promoted uh, some of these things before, but we're going to do a, a big segment where we talk about all of them, uh, even the stuff that I probably should be promoting more when we talk about the stuff going on there. <laughs> Your raffle is up to $60,000. Uh, every single VFW does a raffle. 
Uh, but explain to me a little bit more about it, about the process of it. For anyone that walks in and is like, they're cheating and people are only winning 250 bucks every single time. <laughs> how does that whole process work? How, what's the behind-the-scenes uh, version of that? Well, you mentioned that. Our first big drawing, it went up until we hit the 97th card. Yeah. Uh, 97 numbers were pulled off before the big win was hit. So there was a lot of speculation at that point that, yeah, there's nervous. They were burying it. Yeah, they took it out. Yeah. You guys don't have a real winner on there. Yeah. And, then yeah, and that, that person won almost a million dollars. Yeah, $966,000. Gotcha. But the the uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars organization, they put that whole thing together. You guys don't build that little, like, thing and put it up, right? There's some yeah, other it's, ours, it's specifically okay. for our VFW post. Right. Yes. But the people who actually put it together, um, is that, did you guys uh, put those slips behind those things? Okay, cool. Absolutely. Okay, so you know where the number is then. Well, we don't quite know how that works. <laughs> well, okay, I right, gotcha. Wait. So what we do is we bring in the yeah, public to watch Yeah, tell me how this. that put, yeah, right. Yeah, we take all the cards and we, we fold them and we tape them up, and then we put it in a big pile and we sit there and we swish it around. Gotcha. Uh, we have, and we let the public watch us build the board. Okay. So there's no no way nobody knows where the numbers are at. Yeah, I, well, the reason I'm asking this sloppy version of a question is that when I was at the VFW and I was I was having a couple drinks, um, there was one guy there that's like, we don't know. He's like saying all the conspiracy stuff. <laughs> and then a couple other people in the store were like, no, man, the transparency that this is is nuts so they were shouting it right back down mm-hmm. and so it's good to know so you you do it the way we wish is which actual elections would work everything is right in front of everyone live stream probably <laughs> yeah that's the way it should work everywhere uh, that's one thing going on uh, once it gets to a hundred uh, which it jumps very quickly uh things get real crazy uh, but we're at uh, over sixty thousand dollars right now for the jackpot there and you buy tickets, and there's a drawing every single Saturday. You also have a toy drive that's year-round, right? Yes. The bartenders are putting on a toy drive to benefit uh, the Ronald McDonald House and our VFW. For a while back, we weren't, we haven't done a Christmas for the community for quite some time. So they felt it was a, a good need for some of the needy children in the area. Cool. Not just Peoria Heights, but in the general vicinity. Sure. Um, so they wanted to start collecting for that. And then whatever's left over, which there's going to be a ton left over for the Ronald McDonald House. So cool. It's kind of a dual, dual nail. Awesome. Uh, there's a karaoke event tonight. Is that? Is there any sort of fundraiser or anything going on there? Or is that just uh, come, have fun, hang out, and don't sing anything that's going to get in trouble with bats? Yeah, as long as you don't sing our favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting about that, actually. I was just thinking about that. Like, yeah. normally, the guy who goes rogue or, or girl at the uh, karaoke night is only so embarrassed. At the VFW, there's there's a secondary component to this risk here of making these guys mad. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more of just how poorly you did. Um, I was once uh, – no, I'll tell you that story off the air. That's not going to be for on the air. Uh, and then one other thing going on, and I know you guys aren't putting this on, but I know there's going to be a lot of people from the VFW involved in it. There's a, there's a Jeep uh, run of some kind, right? Yeah, there's a, a charity event uh, happening at the Big Horse Winery in Lewiston, uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, it's a Jeep shine show where you can nice. they'll judge your Jeeps. It could be the dirtiest Jeep, the ugliest Jeep, the cleanest Jeep, and all that. Uh, nice. Then they have a trail there you can take the... It benefits um, uh, St. Jude. It, that's correct. St. Jude is the and beneficiary. You, you have a fancy Jeep, so you probably <laughs> specifically want to go out there. I have the most broken Jeep, maybe, that's going to be a part of it. The I feel only like three-seater I, I know yeah, about. Right, yeah. The, the only Jeep that shouldn't be on the road, maybe I'll win that that award. Um, take, any, it in the, take it in the trail. I want to watch it <laughs> perform. That's what I want to see. Anything else uh, that we should promote? Anything else going on at the VFW you can think of? I know there's a car wash coming up, too, that we've talked about before. Car wash is coming up in August. Uh, we've also got the, the 22VA uh, rotating yeah. art exhibit. Yes. Um, come down and check out some of the artwork that gets changed every so often. So Cool. I just got a um, 
text message, and I'm not going to tell you uh, a part of this message. He goes, what does the VFW stand for? I don't know. And then they threw out a guess that's definitely designed to be a joke. And again, I'm not going to say that because I'd get in trouble, man. Must the FCC, be a military guy. The, yeah, the FCC would get upset. But for anyone that actually doesn't know uh, the answer, what does the VFW stand for? It stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. Um, in order to be a member, you have to have served in a foreign country under a wartime scenario. Gotcha. And even though um, members are one subset of the people inside that uh, bar every single day, uh, it's open to the public. Anybody can go in, anybody can hang out and have a good time. That's correct. Uh, There are two other projects I know you guys are working on. Some of these might be at stages where uh, promoting them, it's probably still a little early for it. Uh, But there's two different, like, groups you're building. There's a youth uh, organization Mm -hmm. or thing you're getting off the ground. And I know, Commander, you were talking about another one, too, uh, that's in the works. What's that other one? We're trying to get our hall room blocked off so we can have privacy and get a support troop group started for people with PTSD or just veterans or just want to come and just talk and feel comfortable telling their story and knowing the guy next to them may understand what they're actually talking about. Yeah, and actually what's really unique about the uh, Peoria Heights VFW is you're surrounded by 22 VA, uh, surrounded by that art uh, made by mm-hmm. veterans. So it almost is is a nice catalyst to some of those conversations, I think, to have that there. Uh, Flutes for Vets I had on a little bit earlier. You guys have lessons for that. but um, And then I know, Eric, you've been streamlining the, the thing with the youth. Uh, what's the goal of that, um, that project? The goal is just to basically inform our youth of what we do. Um, a lot of things are bringing, bringing back patriotism in the classroom mm-hmm. that they aren't getting in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so getting them outside of the school and giving them the real resources of what patriotism is, mm-hmm. respect, uh, and things of that sort, you know, that worth to them that is worthy for us. It's kind of a back and, you know, back and forth. Sure. Um, which we had our first meeting last, was it Sunday before last, and we decided they want to meet twice a month. One one meeting of the month will be a, a hangout day where they can hang around with vets and tell stories and just kind of yeah. do not a whole lot of anything other than tell stories and learn. And then the the fourth Sunday of the month they want to they want to do an activity that benefits veterans. So cool. so this Sunday they're going to be getting together and doing some gravestone cleaning, wow. which I think will be a great thing for their group. They're going to yeah. get some guys together and. For honor their sacrifice, a very moving right. kind of thing to just mm-hmm. go through. Uh, if you haven't done it, I actually recommend anybody. If there's going to be some uh, kids that are uh, in that organization with the VFW out there, you probably could swing by too. Uh, anybody listening that wants to get that experience because it is it is moving. I want I, I had an idea. I want to do something else. Um, I go to the VFW a lot. I, I like the experience there. My favorite thing is that I can be sitting down, uh, drinking whatever, probably Casper, and just say something. Any, I can say literally anything I want. Someone's going to engage in the conversation. It's going to go a certain way. So I want to give the listeners a, a sense of that, if you guys don't mind. <laughs> sure. And you guys can say and do whatever you want uh, outside of anything that gets us fined by the FCC. Uh, but I'm wondering if I swung by the VFW today and I just said something like this as I'm sitting down and maybe, you know, ordering some food. Uh, kitchen is open tonight and the food is great. About how ridiculous it is that the Hunter Biden stories aren't talked about more by regular news. Because at this point, I don't know if you guys know this, um, the latest update in the Hunter Biden world is there is a WhatsApp message from Hunter to a, a Chinese businessman that threatens the businessman by using his dad. He goes, my dad is going to make your life a problem for you if you don't do the thing you agreed upon. So the son of the then vice president was leveraging the, the political uh, you know actions of his dad. This is the biggest story in the world of, I think, politics, and yet it's, it's almost nowhere. 
So if I said that, me, a guy who cares probably way too much and thinks about politics all the time, <laughs> how would the VFW respond? I just sit down. I'm like, man, the latest Hunter Biden news, this is crazy. You'd be in the majority, I believe, in the VFW. <laughs> well, what would they say? What would you say in response to that? I mean, I, I agree. Where in the heck is the story at? I know. I mean, it's it's not being talked about. It's just like everything else is getting dusted under the rug. Right. But yet there's a whole second sub, sub uh, section that... Well, if we do it over here, it's a crime. If we do it over here, <laughs> it's nothing to be it. seen. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's it's crazy, it's again, silly. to me. Yeah, no, I know. And what's just funniest, uh, more so than anything else, and one of the reasons I kind of think I like swinging by the VFW, is I'm sure there's somebody else in that room who will be like, yeah, that doesn't matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, they're, all the opinions are there. Yeah. You might find one. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> or two. Well, what's nice about it is, is um, and maybe this is the easier way to do it than putting you guys on the spot, is no one cares what your opinion is. Uh, the other thing that I think is interesting about the VFW, it's not that they won't argue with you. Everybody's sitting there. If they don't agree with you, no one's going to yell for you to get kicked out. If, right. if I think something that's different than somebody else, nobody's trying to tell me that the door is there, sir, and we'll see you out of here. <laughs> it actually almost seems like they're entertained, uh, the yeah. people inside the bar, if the conversation is is – you know, not the um, simple, easy version uh, that people have all the places they don't have. Well, we like to call it friendly conversation, yeah. uh, which is the way it should be, adult-friendly conversation. Sure. Nothing really gets heated. We know that there are people there that, that oppose, have opposing opinions. Right. And then if it gets too heated at one point, one just usually walks away, have a beer, or a guy will buy them a beer. Yeah. And just say, let's talk about something else, you know. But nothing's really off limits. Right. But let's just uh, let's just discuss it as an adult. Yeah. And but that's what we've lost, too, with, with even our politicians aren't doing that. They're not coming to the table and saying, okay, what's your viewpoint? Why am I not understanding this? Or why is this so ridiculous? Yeah. And a lot of people are following suit with that, and that's what the problem is. I, I think um, I, I wholeheartedly agree in the whole Hunter Biden thing that part of the way in which, say, media handles it or the politicians can ignore it. Like you go to the um, uh, uh, press conference and you watch the questions and you watch the, the press secretary or anybody else just say, I'm not going to talk about that. We need to be a society that refuses that answer. We can't keep hearing that I'm not going to talk about that version of a thing. And I think it's because of what you just said, because of the the lack of having these conversations in our everyday lives in some places uh, that people do want to try to, like, uh, silence you the way they can block somebody on social media, uh, that the politicians get away with uh, crazy amounts of things. Because uh, we're, we're at the point where the president should be talking about whether or not Hunter Biden was capable of threatening other countries on his behalf <laughs> and whether he was collecting money for him. Yeah, right. And yet Biden thinks that all he has to say is, oh, that's baloney. And then he can move on and have an ice cream and get put back in the corner. It just it just seems crazy to me. Until you get the financial report. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even, even then they'll tell you they made a mistake. Yeah. Or actually, you know what, let me ask you this then. Fine. Uh, one other thing uh, before we take a break. Um, you guys are both military. Uh, you guys uh, have both probably seen, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to talk about it, uh, spending in the military that, that's not the best, uh, that, that's not the thing we want. But how unbelievable is the story about the the lack of – getting the number right as far as what we sent over to Ukraine. Because we've readjusted the support to Ukraine twice now, where we said we sent them way less money than we thought we sent them because all the military equipment we already owned was worth less than we thought it was, even though it would still be as expensive as we originally projected to replace it because it was just sitting somewhere in some storage spot. We're now counting it as a lower level of support, which means we're sending them more money. That accounting error, is that shocking to either of you in the world of the government and, and support for Ukraine? I don't think it's an error. I think it's intentionally done. Yeah. That extra stuff is for us to have new supplies when we're in combat zones. We went to Iraq in 06. We had M16s that were experimental 
from Vietnam Air that were supposed to have been disposed of 10 years prior wow. that we were still using. Were they were they failing? Is this something we're like, allowed to talk about publicly? I had, to, I had to put my sights clear to one side to hit the target or wow. my Browns would go 20 feet. The other wow. to the side where I was aiming at. So the the and I'm know, not a great shot, but I'm not that bad of a shot. <laughs> I'm positive you're a much better shot than I am. Whatever <laughs> level of not a great shot you just said. Well, it's interesting to me then that um, no one in our government is denying that the first number we listed as far as the amount of support we provided to Ukraine is in fact the cost of replacing all that equipment. Uh, but for some reason, since we want to send more support, uh, we can then lower it to the value of the equipment at the same time. How hard is that to even uh, quantify uh, for guys like you who served? The value of something that you just said has been sitting around for a while, but uh, somehow experimental uh, versus something brand new. Yeah, well, we see things that, I mean, whatever's going to support us out in the field. Sure. Um, we might get always the best equipment at all times, mm-hmm. but as long as we don't run out of equipment, mm-hmm. we, at least we have something to work with. That's that's the important part for us. I just got a question from a listener that I feel like they want to start uh, drama, um, and <laughs> I kind of want to ask the question. I don't think it's I don't think it's um it's good hearted. I'm going to say I'm not trying to be mean to you, listener, but uh, you the, can the, ask the question. I, I I don't get offended or here we I, I figured I, just, I figured and I, I'm willing to throw it out there. Uh, but this is the way the question is phrased. Can I ask um, uh, them if they blindly follow orders like an obedient little soldier? Question mark. How do you deal with someone who says something like that to you? If I know you want me to take a break, you want to formulate the answer. I have a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's polite. Right, okay, right, let's go. We are required to follow all orders unless we feel they are unlawful. Mm-hmm. If they're unlawful, you can disobey them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that yeah. we have to make our own judgment if it's unlawful or not. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to go hurt someone or shoot someone or something just because they told us to. Sure. If we don't feel the necessity that, well, we don't need to do that, that doesn't benefit our cause. Sure. Do you want to answer that question, Eric? Yeah, but we're, we are given orders, and we swore an oath to uphold those orders of our superiors. Yeah. So when you're giving that oath to your superior, you're trusting that superior to make the right judgment call. Yeah. However, again, like, like Chad just talked about, we also have to use our best interests or our best you know, decision-making. Is it lawful to do that make sure he made the right decision sure so it's not completely blindly leading yeah but i mean i understand what the question was but but yes we do follow orders i i would i would phrase it this way if i were uh, trying to ask a question i think with a more appropriate amount of respect for our military and the importance of our military why is it important to have just one decision maker as far as a chain of command in the world of life and death situations and i'll add a caveat to that in my world it's terrible to have three bosses telling me what to do on a radio show every single day. So I can't even fathom in the world where you're actually put into conflict situations to have multiple people trying to tell you that this is the version of commands for me. This is the version of commands over there. And essentially, listener, I think what you're asking is why doesn't everybody get to make their own decision? That's why. Because in that moment <laughs> right. where life and death is on the line, you don't want to have a 45-minute argument about what the right decision is. You want to try to empower the person that the military saw fit to be the, the, the best decision maker in that moment to send that decision to the people uh, that then have to execute it, right? Yeah, is that, and, okay. and that's the way they call a chain of command as well. Yeah. So the chain of command is designed so that the upper echelon passes down the orders through all his people. Mm-hmm. So it's looked at by several people by the time it gets to you, no matter if it's a 
three-level chain of command or yeah. two or it could be ten people depending on what the situation is. And look, I'll even say one – and I'm, I'm sorry that I feel like I'm the most offended of the three of us here <laughs> by this, uh, which is hilarious. And the listener just said I'm really impressed with the classy responses. Thank you both. Uh, so well done. Um, but the last thing I guess I would say just as a, as a side thought of, of um, that simple concept, that simple idea um, is you, you, the two people sitting in front of me, chose to um, uh, do something that risked your life and you chose to do it for one reason or, well, maybe multiple reasons, but one at the the high end of the list to protect the country, to protect our country. Mm -hmm. If we don't have people that choose to do that job and if the intent of saying, well, the military, you got to follow orders um, is somehow uh, bad, uh, then we wouldn't have any of the freedoms we have today. Um, And even more importantly than that, I wonder if that level of obedience in things that aren't illegal or wrong or, or you wouldn't refuse to do it because you know it's, it's you know, uh, not something that's somehow um, um, bad is needed for everybody else in society because we, we bicker and argue about things. I just did a 10-minute conversation with Dan DiOrio, who I like a lot, great guy, about whether or not the, the Titan thing that, that um, you know, sadly um, – um, uh, imploded in the ocean is an important news story or not. I feel like that doesn't matter in comparison to the other stuff we talk about. And so I don't know. It just and, – and please, anybody else jump in with a thought on what I'm saying. Uh, to me, I think that one of the powers of your time in the military is learning to pick and choose your battles that people today, especially young people on social media, ranting about not getting enough you know, liquid in their Starbucks because they have too much ice in it, don't <laughs> perceive – the reality of, right. of what's important and what matters. Well, let's look at the people from War of 1812, the Revolutionary War. Uh, look at those guys. And they had lines of people with their muskets, and they had to just go basically just running forward as they were told to run forward, and knowing they're going to be killed. Yeah. But that's what you do. What You have to make that sacrifice to gain the things that you, you believe for your country. And that's what a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when I went on the submarine, I knew that there's a possibility that something could go south and I could die quickly. You know, it's just the risk we take, and, you know, we just try to minimize that risk. Well, and, and uh, again, well, I'm late for a break now. I'm, I'm going to break. Um, um, to me, I think that the fights that we have day in and day out are so silly. So st- The things that we fight about in society are so dumb. And so the idea that you should question every single order uh, in the military when those stakes are, as I said, just so different is such a reflection of what's a problem in society right now in so many other ways with so many other issues we talk about mm-hmm. that I could sit down I could I could say he to someone that thinks that uh, he's a she and then that person could get so mad at me that they'll accuse me of somehow being hateful to them uh, and we'll have a whole like 25 minute conversation because I did a human thing I looked at a person <laughs> and I said a word and that fight uh, is somehow as valuable um, or as valuable of a discussion as say uh, the idea of questioning an order in a in a time of military I just, I just don't know I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself into a corner here um, but thank you both so much for hanging out uh, for being here thank you listener for asking the tough question and both people for uh, giving the answer I got to take a break a lot more in a bit 1470 100.3 WMBD it's the Craig Collins show